verse 7 of Matthew 5. Jesus is preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, bringing the new covenant for the first time to the people of Israel. In chapter 5, verse 7, we read God's word. It says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we stand here tonight, those who have received mercy. Those, Lord, who know and understand what it means to be guilty before you, to have sin, Lord. And in your presence, Lord, sin may not stand, Lord, and sin is cast away. And if we remain in sinful states, Lord, we also will be cast away, Lord, but not in Jesus, not in Christ, Lord, a sacrificial lamb that was shed, Lord, had its blood shed for our sins, and we stand before God covered, Lord, in an atonement, Lord, of mercy, Lord. And this is why the merciful are blessed. Lord, we who have known the mercy of God, we who have stood in your presence and not been cast away, Lord, know truly how merciful you are. We thank you, Lord, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Mercy, equality, that does not exist in many places in our world. In fact, I have not found it many places on the internet. Sometimes when I sub at the high school and I bring up the topic, when I have told young people, middle-aged, even elderly people that, hey, maybe you should forgive even though, you know, the other person isn't going to do anything about it. They just look at me like, no, I have to get justice. I have to get, I have to get what I deserve. But we stand before God, sinners who deserve to be cast into the lake of fire. Let not the Christian say, I deserve justice. Let the Christian say, I deserve punishment. But because of mercy, because of Christ, I don't get the punishment. Instead, I get the favor of the Father. I get adopted into the family of God. I get to sit at the feast table of the Lord Most High. The hand of God is far better than the hand of men. Turn to 2 Samuel 24, 14. David has sinned before God. His arrogance led him to do a census that God did not want and that it was glorifying to King David, but was not glorifying to God. And David is repenting of this sin. This is a, a mistake he makes after Bathsheba. It's less known than Bathsheba, but this is a great sin David does. And in verse 14 of 2 Samuel 24, David says to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. So let me fall into the hand of God. Let me be, be guilty before God, because his mercy is great. He holds me in his hand with the power and ability to crush me. But instead, instead of crushing me, he gave me a son. He redeemed me through the Lord Jesus Christ. But the hand of man, what is the hand of man? It is extreme wickedness, vileness, evil. I mentioned this recently in a sermon, that if mankind truly had goodness within them, then we should be improving as our technology improves. But it seems to be the opposite sometimes. The more access to information we have, the greater use of it for evil mankind embarks on. And it's the opposite because we don't have goodness within us. We have sin. 
sinful desires that want evil, that want to do wrong, that are quick to shed blood, as the psalm said. That's why the hand of God is where you want to be. Students, listen to me and listen closely. You're going to hear of theologies that make it about you. You're going to hear preachers who say that you have to do it, and you just got to make that one good decision, and you just got to do better. And this is heresy. It's false. They're leading you to hell. There is one who does good, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 3, no other does good, no, not one. And he's quoting Psalm 12 in Romans. It's throughout the entire Bible. This wickedness and this evil comes from within us. That's why the hand of man is not one I want to fall into. Because what will the hand of man judge me by? Their own standard, their own morality. And they'll see fit to execute me and send me away. But let me fall into the hand of God instead. For the hand of God, his mercy is great for you and I. King David has sinned against God and he throws himself at the feet of God for mercy. To fall into the hands of men is an evil thing for the hands of men are quick to shed blood, quick to condemn, quick to execute. David would rather have fallen into the hand of the merciful God who forgives. Where do you want to be tonight? Do you want to be in the hand of man? Do you want to be in his judgment? Do you want to be in mine? Because even mine can be faulty, but not God's. In James chapter 2, verse 13, we see a great statement by the author. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does God want instead of judgment? Mercy. He wants to forgive. He delights to forgive. But the ones who reject him, the ones who turn from him, the ones who scorn his forgiving nature, he does cast away. For this holy God is not going to have it in his presence. That's why it's so important. That's why sometimes when it seems like we church people are crazy and we just, you know, we're saying all the things we say and do all the things we do, because it's that important. I had a brother tell me one time that we're playing for keeps here. This is literally life and death. This is not a social club. This is not a youth function for your enjoyment, though it can be fun at church. Mercy triumphs over your sin. God triumphs over our sin when he grants you mercy instead of judgment. Because you know what you deserve. Who can raise their hand and say, I have never sinned? The liar raises his hand and says he's never sinned. We instead would have to say, I am the sinner. I am the sinner. Imagine being committed a horrible crime and being found guilty and the judge in his sentencing sets you free instead of punishing you. Even you would be confused. And when asking why, the judge tells you another has taken your place. Another has fulfilled the punishment that you deserved. The best book about the sacrifice of Christ is the book of Hebrews. It's entirely about the new covenant, the new high priest that has come, the last high priest, and of a temple that will be built no more by human hands, but built inside your very souls by God. Another has taken your place of punishment. Christ has taken your place. What is greater mercy? 
what is greater forgiveness? To say, not only do I forgive you for your crimes, I'm going to take the punishment for those crimes. I'm going to take them on my own self. Suffer the consequence and bear it. Now let's turn to our main text tonight. In Matthew chapter 18. Please turn there to Matthew chapter 18. Where we see Jesus articulate mercy to these disciples who do not yet understand. It is called the parable of the unforgiving servant. But I want to share a couple historical things that I think will illuminate this for us, okay? Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And immediately the fleshly mind goes, okay, 70 times 7, 400 and something odd forgiveness. Okay, that's good. Once I hit that number, no more forgiveness for anybody. Is that what Jesus is saying? No, he goes on. Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared. So this is what heaven is like. It may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought up who owed him 10,000 talents. This number probably equaled in our money, adjusting for inflation, several million dollars that he owed. Several million dollars. An amount that he could never pay back. Imagine right now if you owed several million dollars. Dollars, And not to a company or school board that was interested in keeping you in debt for that interest. No, this debtor is at the door saying, pay me. And if you don't pay me, I can legally sell you, your wife, and your children into slavery. Imagine if your parents are behind on bills and you had to go work in the mine because of it. That's what's happening here. So the servant throws himself at the feet of the master. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So the servant falls to his knees and begs for mercy. And the, the, the creditor says, all right, I grant you mercy. I'm going to let this go. How would you feel? Would you be excited a little bit? Would you feel just like just shouting a little bit? I won't do it into the mic for your ears. You'd be very excited. But look what he does. Verse 28, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. This, a denarii, a Roman silver coin was worth about 16 cents. Several million dollars. 16 cents times 100. Who's doing the math? How much money is that? Several million dollars. How much, Evan? $16. And this servant, who just got forgiven several million dollars worth, he goes out and finds somebody who owes him money, about $16 or so, and look what he does. Seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe me. 
He just got forgiven. He just got released. He just got scot-free away from having his wife and children sold, and he is now choking someone else for the tiniest amount compared to what he just owed. Does anybody in here think there's something wrong with this servant? Just a little bit, right? Choking him, pay me. His fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. So this just happened to him. He himself fell at the feet. Now the servant is falling at his feet. Have patience with me and I will pay you. Verse 30, he refused. And he went his way and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. This is what the flesh does. This is what the flesh is capable of. And make no mistake, my friends, as mature as you are, as spiritual as you are, your flesh right now is capable of this right now. Being forgiven an unimaginable debt and finding the smallest little thing to get angry about. The other servants, they see this go on and they're not happy. His fellow servants in verse 31, they saw what had taken place. They were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place here. The master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, you evil servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. See, now let's move away from money and the financial things and the fleshly things we're always so worried about. Are we like the wicked servant? Have you been forgiven and turn around and withhold forgiveness from someone else? Did you receive mercy and then turn around and withhold it from someone else who needed it? This is evil before God. Are we like the wicked servant who after receiving mercy refused to grant it to another? This is the work of sin. This is the evil that we preach against. Do not be like this. Do not be like this wicked servant. Know the mercy of God has been given to you and you should be ready to grant it to others. Blessed are the merciful for they shall see mercy because they know the value of it. Do you know why the flesh doesn't give mercy? Because it doesn't know the value of mercy. It doesn't understand the transaction that's taken place. It doesn't feel the lifting of the weight of the guilt of sin but the Holy Spirit knows. And this is the dividing difference. This is why lost people do not give mercy, for they don't have it. They have a worldly version that may benefit them at some point down the road, but they do not have the mercy of God. Stop making things about who has wronged you. Stop making it about who's disrespected you. Do you know what? My God was disrespected. My God was wrongly charged, wrongly accused, wrongly uh, beaten with rods and whipped and hung on a tree and murdered. God was disrespected. God was wronged. And what does he do? He could have called down armies 
of flaming swords held by angels to slay his enemies. And instead he says, Lord, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. God has mercy. God was disrespected, the Holy Spirit ignored, and Jesus murdered because of our sin. And yet we, who call upon his name truly, have received mercy from his throne. There is no reason right now tonight and for the rest of our lives, if you claim Christianity, if you say, I'm a Christian, I serve God, I'm going to heaven, then mercy should be a defining aspect of your life. Some of you in here right now, you and I, some of you looking at me, you and I have been down the mercy road together. And I'm thankful for that because that's the work of God. Because if it was up to me, I'm that evil judge. I'm the hand of man. I do rightly as I see fit. And there's no standard for that. I'm just sin. But the hand of God has dealt rightly with each one of us. Therefore, if we have received mercy, how could we withhold it from anyone else? If you would, turn to the book of Jude, last verse, last text here. Verse 21. Book of Jude, verse 21. Jude only has one, one chapter, so. Verse 21 of Jude. And we're going to finish up right here. Scripture then says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. You want to see the face of God? You want to hear the words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant? You want the pearly gates of heaven to swing wide for you? Then you must know how it happens. It starts with the love of God who loves his people and loves his children and is making a way for them to receive mercy. What does he do? He sends the Lord Jesus Christ and gives mercy to you and I. And we eagerly wait on that mercy and we're waiting now for the final fulfillment of that mercy. And this leads to our eternal life. God loves and because he sent Christ, there is mercy. But only for those who repent of their sin and believe in this Lord Jesus. Only for the children of God is mercy available. Which will you be? Will you continue to defy God? Will you continue to reject him? You may, you may claim him with your lips, but do you reject him in your heart? Or are you like me, imperfect full of mistakes and easy to fall into the fleshly feelings, but I have repented of sin and have put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know why I know those pearly gates are going to swing wide for me? I don't, I don't doubt it. I don't think about it. I, I don't go, I hope I get in. I know that I do. Do you know why? Because I have trusted in a good and faithful servant. And this good and faithful servant of God said, I get to go. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this mercy. Lord, and as we are about to sing about some amazing grace, God, I ask you now to bless the children, the students here, the adults here, that each one of us on this journey of mercy, Lord, would give it when needed. And some only have a little to give and others a lot. But we give it in your name, Lord.
and it is blessed. Help us, Lord, to be merciful and receive mercy, the mercy that comes from heaven. In your name we pray. Amen.